Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. How about speaking of comfortable, your Cavaliers, right? <laughs> I'm feeling very comfortable <laughs> with their 128-121 win last night. Actually, I'm, I'm not real comfortable with it, but I'm comfortable with the way they're playing right now. And um, I, Well, gee, Andy. I mean, when you Since win, it the makes best life team easy. In the NBA over like the last twenty games, I can understand why. Yeah, but you know what? I, I'll be honest, Jeff. It didn't really hit me until they had two really good wins over the weekend, right? They were able to bounce back against Milwaukee. The and Milwaukee then they beat the and the Clippers. Clipper wins. Those are pretty good wins. Yeah, those are um, yeah. those are resume builders. Those are ones you should be like, yeah, hey, look what we did, and we did this without Darius Garland, and um, you know Evan Mobley's just coming back on the tail end of that thing, so. But, again, it comes back to chemistry. It comes back to getting these guys together. I, it, to me, last night, especially in the first half, I was I'm like, man, this is choppy. Why are they not able to kind of pull away? Every time I turn around, I'm like, oh, it looks like they're going to – oh, no, they're not. Pistons are hanging around. Now, as you know, we were talking the other day, the Pistons are playing a little bit better than uh, they were, especially in the beginning of the season. But I, I, I tell you what, last night was good, man. It's a, it's a win. You get the guys back out there. They won a game they're supposed to win. You know, and I think you know that's what? important. You, you can almost just stop right there. Yeah. Nothing else matters. If you won by 30, if you won by two, you were supposed to beat the Pistons at home. Their record is terrible. And and they're a young team that's trying to grow. And I think they have a terrific coach in Monty Williams. But it, it's not clicking there yet. You're supposed to win that game. They did. Yeah. There are other factors involved. You know, Darius coming back. Evan just in for a second game. Guys in a little different roles than they had been in. Uh, again, Andy, I, you can take a look at most any game, I think, Cavs game, during this stretch and make an excuse as to either A, why they won, or B, why they lost. And I, I hate those types of games, but anytime, anytime they've lost in the last whatever, it's well, they don't have Darius and Evan. Well, that's true. It's like it's you know when the Browns had all these guys out. It's the same type of thing. When they've won... I, with, with some exceptions, you know, like last night. Well, you're supposed to win. You played the Pistons. Okay. Well, that's not fair. You know, they're an NBA team. You're supposed to win. Okay, good. But you did, and that's good. That Milwaukee win, you know, the two two out of three over Milwaukee, also very impressive. And they win over the Clippers, very impressive. And those are the types of wins that might give you a little thought that, what could this be? And you know, you never know what's going to happen in the East. For instance. Joel Embiid, injured. Without Joel Embiid, the Cavs, are, I like the Cavs better than the 76ers. With Joel Embiid, I don't. But 
You don't know what's going to happen. So what did you take from yesterday's game? That's my big question for you. I, I didn't take much, and, and the reason is this. Okay, Evan was back for a second game. He played about 20 minutes, and Darius was back, and he took a lot of shots and scored a lot of points in a short period of time. And that's that's not a bad thing. I I, I will say that my thought still hasn't changed, Andy, about my biggest concern. And they're playing really well, and I hope they can figure it out. It was a one game of here here we are back whole again. And now figure it out. Oddly, they played better when those guys were out record-wise than they played when they weren't. That's just weird. That goes back to a lot of things. It doesn't mean it can't be really good. It can be really good. And it's up to the players and the coaching staff and the front office, Andy, to make it work. You know, I, they've got a lot of talent. And I don't know that everybody knew that. I, You know, I didn't think they were very deep. But when you called on these guys, when everybody went out, they stepped up. Okay? Well, then how are you, how, how's JB going to make that work? Last night he played 10 guys. You don't play 10 guys in NBA games. You mainly play nine guys. Sometimes you play eight. And in the playoffs, it gets tightened up even more sometimes. So what are you going to do? Did, did you like George Niang during I did during the stretch when yeah. they were? Me too. He looked great. How about Sam Merrill? Oh my God! Look, Cavs have an outside shooter. What do you know? How about look and look how that works? Well, guess what? Those guys are going to get their minutes cut. Merrill played 16 last night. Niang played 17, and they went out of their way to create minutes. Dean Wade played 12 minutes last night. You think that's going to continue? I'd say probably not. Mm. He'll be the extra big, but Niang might be. You know, JB has some options. He's got to figure out how to make it work. And if it can't work, then the front office needs to figure out how to make this roster better. And not better from a talent standpoint, but better from a mix standpoint. But let's see. Let, you got to give it a chance. Menigan said it yesterday. He's right. You got to give it a chance, Andy. I'm not trading Darius Garland now. I'm no, not trading. There's not with the trade deadline seven days away. No, I'm not trading Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Donovan's tremendous, but we cannot forget this. And and if if you if you want to go ahead and and ignore this, go ahead and ignore this. The, the the train's coming down the tracks, Andy. It's coming. At the end of next year, Donovan Mitchell can opt out. So as I said yesterday, you either need to sign him. Either sign him and decide you're going to go with this or sign him and trade Darius or don't sign him and trade Donovan. One of those three things has to Do you to have happen. to? Well, you, you, Do you have to trade one of those guys? Don't you think no, the front you, office, no, the fact you that you have, have these guys? To, you don't have to. Right. But you better make it work better than it's worked with those two guys together. Well, what were they eight and five together? With it uh, was seven and five. Now they're eight and five this year. When Evan Donovan and Darius play together, okay. I want to go back and play that clip from the which beginning. is which is a lesser percentage than when they don't play. Well, let's see if they get more games under their belt if they yeah, well, can't exactly, add to that number. Exactly. So. Except, guess what? Hmm. They had less fewer games under their belt without them, and boy, they clicked in a hurry, didn't they? Well, they did. So that, but it, you could say it was the schedule. There's a lot of see. That's you the just thing. Don't you can know. say all kinds of right. things. You can throw all kinds of things at it. The bottom line is you've got two really good guards. 
who both like to have the ball in their hands. Okay, figure it out. Maybe we can split the ball in half. Fig- figure it out. I don't think you can. I don't know. You, you can dribble on one side, You've got a really right? good young 6'11 guy who, by the way, please please don't let him shoot threes. Don't, don't tell him to shoot threes. He's 18% on three-pointers. If you're 18% on three-pointers, why, why would you... Why would you do that? I, I I went to an allergy doctor when I was a kid, Andy. Yes. You ready? Yes. My, my mom had this allergy doctor. My mom had some allergies. and I, I You'll find this fun. I used to get headaches when I ate Fritos. This is not true. It would give me a headache. You would get a headache I thought, from eating Fritos. I thought Fritos. nothing of it. And my, mom, my mom, who kind of was kind of keen on some allergy, well, maybe you should go see the doctor. And just check it out. I, I was like, you know, 18, 19. I thought, all right, my mom, I'll make my mom happy. I went to the doctor. Did you do the scratch test? My doctor said, no. You ready? Yeah. This is it. Here's my, this is my exact conversation with the doctor. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you again. Hi, doctor. How are you? I, why are you here? I said, well, when I, when I eat Fritos, I get these headaches. Well, don't eat them. I said, I know, but my mom thought maybe, I, you know, it might be some allergies. Said, yeah, maybe. Just don't need them. Evan Mobley, you're shooting 18% on threes. Don't shoot them. There it is. It's that simple. Thank I, God I've overcome my headache thing with Fritos. I, Thank God. I thought Darius Garland said something really interesting. Uh, when we play the cut, we'll play the cut in the next break here, after the break. I'll play it for you again. And it's just about the whole mentality of where this team is going, mm-hmm. what they're doing, and uh, what does what what does the future look like for this team? Because I do think it's interesting. I I gotta believe the front office is saying we can live in the world where we don't have to trade either one of those two guys. But Andy, there ha- that option has to be going well, on. It in that certainly room. is. But there's a caveat to that. All right. Well, then let's make it work. Let's make it really work. Okay, you're one game back. Let's see if it's the. Let's no. make it really work. It's not, I mean, last night didn't look perfect by if any means. If it doesn't but really work, the right Andy, there's no harm in saying, you know what? This isn't going to work. We're going to tinker with the team. NBA teams do that constantly. Where's James Harden now? Philadelphia. Oh, wait a minute. No, he's a clipper. Is that where he is this week? This week. He's got a few teams on his resume. You know what I'm saying, though? There's, there's, there's no shame in tinkering with your team. But when you have when you have great talent, hopefully the coaching staff and the players can figure out how to become a better team with all those guys. And if it doesn't quite work, there's no shame in saying we're going to have to break this up and tweak it a little bit. And and star players get traded all the time. Yeah, but in Jeff, here's the hard part about Donovan Mitchell. Okay, Donovan Mitchell was a new car that you just leased. Right, and you only had ten thousand miles on it. Is what it. Fe- this is what it feels like. Well, no, it's that's you know why it's a lease. It's accurate. It, yeah, and so it's ten thousand miles, and now you're two months into a two year lease, whatever, and you've already, and you've already driven ten thousand miles, and you're two months in, and you haven't even come close, and you're going to be paying for it, and you may not have the car anymore. Like that's what I look at when I see Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, this is great. This is great. But the payments are going to be there maybe long after he's gone. You Let's, got five years of payments coming up. Yes. And they haven't started yet. It's an interesting conundrum for this team. And that's why I hope that he's here for a long time and they can figure this thing out. Uh, when we come back, I want to 
talk a little bit about what Darius Garland said after the game because I thought he he said something that was pretty poignant and may not even have realized that he said that. So we're going to get into that. Did you watch the Cavs last night? How you feeling about this team right now? We're moving forward. They're playing, you know, they're winning basketball. They're playing winning basketball. How long can this uh, last the way it is? And do you think it's sustainable? 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 the fan. They are now, what, half game back um, on the Knicks, trying to struggle their way or just push, claw, I don't know, accelerate their way above uh, into the Eastern Conference standings, a little bit higher. Why do I care? I don't know. Move I, up I, in the standings. Move up in the standings. There you yeah. go. Yeah, but it's not as exciting. You didn't put it as claw. Many, yeah, claw That's their way up. Yeah. Claw their way up. I That's like good. that. You know, so, um, you know, we talked about uh, Garland coming back last night and how that was going to fit. First of all, I like I was watching him just to see if he was going to be out of gas. And, you know, what? I don't know how many minutes he played 20. Play. He did play 20 mm-hmm. last night. So, I as I watched, I you know, I was like, I, I still, to me, the guy had his jaw wired shut last week. We were talking about them taking screws out of his mouth earlier this week, and now he's back on the floor. I, I that to me is is impressive alone. The fact he wouldn't have had to have made a basket last night for me to think, wow, man, I can't believe this guy's playing basketball, let alone 19 points. So, but he said something after the game, and Jeff, I really want your reaction to this. And if you're listening, two one six four seven four double o ninety two. Listen to what he said after the game, and it's just a little part of it that caught my ear. Just not want to interfere with what they had going on. With Sam, George coming in, putting in big minutes, Karis just doing what Karis does. And even Craig coming in, playing some good good minutes. So uh, just didn't want to interfere with that, but I was just trying to find where I was going to fit in after just being out for so much. Yeah, just trying to get the ball movement, trying to just do what I do and try to get everybody involved. Okay, interfere. And he said it twice. And to be able to come back into a situation where the team has been, they only lost two games last month. And... To watch him come back into this thing, it's like, okay, does he understand that his role may change? That they might ask him to be doing something different? That they might ask him to just kind of tweak his game a little bit? You know, he was talking about the minutes. I don't know if it's so much the minutes, Jeff. It's the his role on this team and what they need him to do to be successful in this train that started rolling, you know, when the, both those guys were out to keep, you know, the the engine hot and keep this thing rolling at, at maximum capacity. Do, do, are you with me on this? I know, I'm trying to make it into a story. Flying in maximum capacity. Yeah, keeping, uh, you know, coal, going today. coal in the engine. Um, Must have watched Thomas the Tank. I, I liked what he said. It means he sat there and, 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 and come on, it's basketball. Darius has been playing and watching basketball his whole life. He, he sees what's going on. And... Okay, this this was working, but but here's the other point. He played 20 minutes. Is he only going to play 20 minutes? No, he's no. gonna he's gonna play a lot more minutes. Um, so Evan, is he just saying the right thing about? No, no. Yeah. Evan Mobley played 22 minutes. Is he gonna play more? Yeah, he's gonna play yeah. more minutes too. I would think by the time you're all done, you know, Evan's gonna be back 32 minutes a game, somewhere in that range. Uh, Donovan is gonna be, you know playing a ton of minutes, and Darius is going to be 32. There's nothing wrong with 32 minutes. You know, that you're playing two-thirds of the time, mm-hmm. and you're able to, 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 you know, go a little deeper maybe if you want to do that. Here's the thing, though. There's no way 
that when guys come back, it doesn't disrupt. Okay, it that's not disrupt might not be a bad word though, because well you're you're in that means he's not that's a disruption, that that's the disruption, but now you just have to see how this team was successful playing and and keep it going and the team was successful with Darius, but maybe more successful playing a little different style of ball. Can they all adjust? It's not just Darius. They all have to adjust. The coaching staff has to adjust. And then if it if it's not deemed to be as good as you would like it to be, then the front office has to make adjustments. I mean, and again, it's it's big picture here. You you must adjust, you must make it work with all this talent, and if you can't, then you must make a change. I mean, that and, and it's that's not a bad word. It's not bashing anybody. That's the reality of especially the NBA. You know, you, you can make a move in football, Andy. Unless you make a, a catastrophically big move, and and that's like trading for Deshaun Watson. And I say catastrophically in size. Mm-hmm. It's huge. But that's one guy. Okay. If if you went out and you, you made a huge trade and you brought in a, an outside linebacker, does that change your whole team? No. But if you go and you bring in one guy on an NBA team who's a superstar, that changes everything. We saw it here when LeBron James came back. Right? The Lakers saw it when LeBron James went there. And we've, we've seen it when Donovan Mitchell has come here. Just know that that train's coming down the tracks, and there has to there. If you want to ignore it, well, shame on you. In a year and a half, something has to drastically happen. And, and if it happens before then, probably all the better. But within a year and a half, something big is going to happen. You know, you said, you know, we looked at Evan Mobley. He only had 22 minutes last night. Darius Garland had 20. Yet they still only played 10 guys last night. I mean, Okoro had 30 off the bench. 30 minutes, that is. And they only played 10 guys. I, like you, No, they played 10 guys. Yeah, they usually absolutely. don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, they yeah. did play 10 guys. Will he be able I like I can't if you're giving Mobley and you're giving Garland more minutes, let's just even say No, I, I mean they're gonna end up with more than thirty. Well, if they're sure. playing if it's the right way. So and, and they were. They and mean, all of the, those before. minutes are gonna go away from the back. You're gonna end up back with eight, right? Yeah. You'll end up with eight guys. Maybe playing. maybe nine and, and and playing limited minutes, Andy. That that's just the reality. None, yeah, none Dean of Wade had twelve off the bench. That was the Dean that Wade was the may low. not play. Yeah, but if you know they need another big, you're, you're going to put Dean out there. Dean Dean can play. He's a pretty good defender and he's got a pretty good shot. But it seems like there are a lot of ineffective minutes. You're going to need to play guys who make an impact. Hmm. Uh, Andy is in North Olmsted, home of the Eagles. Hello, Andy. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Hi, How Andy. are you? Hey, Jeff, I want to talk about the big picture with you and Andy for a second. Mm-hmm. I want to, I heard you just say a year and a half. I mean, can we really risk going into next year without a commitment from Donovan? I mean, I mean, Jeff, that's, that's a scary proposition. I mean, doesn't he have to let the Cavaliers know absolutely this summer whether he wants to sign or not? He, he doesn't, Andy, but obviously you'd like that. He doesn't. You could still make a move at the trade deadline next year. But I would think that the longer you wait, the less your return if you want to move him. Now, now who wants to move him? I just got a text from my buddy Don. Got to find a way to sign him. Yep, that's true. Except 
A, if you sign him, is it the right mix with Darius or have you determined you need to do something else? And if you can't sign him and he wants to play out the string, which he's certainly allowed to do, well, Andy, you're right. you you got to move him. I mean, there's, there is a huge price tag coming. Oh. Huge. Jeff, I, th- I, I think Colby Altman would lose his job if we went into next year. And then he just all of a sudden at the I mean, what are you going to get at the deadline next year? A bag of balls. <laughs> I mean, well, you're, you're not gonna, you're not going to get you're not going to get an all star player. Another guy yeah. who's been averaging 20 over the last couple of months, an interesting young three point shooter and three number one picks and two pick swaps. We know you're hey, not going to get that, Andy. Hey, hey, Jeff, Andy, one, one last thing, too. Um, when we got beat up by the Knicks last year, I mean, isn't it safe to say, and I don't want to push Darius out the door. I just worry about this whole second apron thing. I, I, I just, I don't know what the Cavs are going to do with Mobley early on in his career. He's not a max player right now. And I don't, I, I, like I said, I'm sorry. I think Darius Garland's a really good player, but not a max player. Um, but I'm just wondering, and then speaking of fits right now, are you guys a little concerned at all about Max Struess? And what I mean by that is when you look at our two-guard depth, when you look at Mitchell, Lavert, Sam Merrill, I, I'm a little worried about that one as well. Would the Cavaliers ever consider trading Max possibly now? I know the big four, they're not going to move. And Andy, we hope. Thank I, you, Andy. Would you agree okay. with this there, Mr. Sure. Baskin? And to Andy's point, I don't think you're moving Jarrett nope. or Evan nope. or Donovan nope. or Darius. Right. I don't think you're moving Karis. I hope not. It doesn't I, feel I, that way. I really like Karis LeVert. Okay. I, and if you've listened to our show, I liked him before he came here. Right. I think he's a, a heck of a player. That's five guys. Well, there are a lot of other guys you could trade. And, and nothing against anybody who's here. And, and again, it's all about fit and, and making it the right mix. Yeah, I think you could trade Max Struess. Yes. Sam, Sam Merrill's a better, sh- a better shooter. Okay. That, doesn't that look clear? Yeah. But Max does a lot of other things. You've got to just find the right guys. That, that, that's all it is. You find the mix that works together. Uh, Bill in Parma. Hey, Bill. Hi, Bill. I always love these discussions like this. I agree with you, Jeff, on the five that uh, pretty much you prefer not to trade. I think one of the problems is if we don't trade Darius, we're not going to get very far in the playoffs this year. We need a we need a wing that can shoot. We need a big. Um, there's just areas that could really, really help us go a little bit further in. And Darius, you know, God bless him. He's an incredible offensive player. You love watching him play, but it's great AAU ball that he plays. And that is, let's fly up and down the court, and let and whoever scores the most wins. There's this other thing that you got to do. And it's called defense, I think it's called. And <laughs> and everybody that's when you try that. to stop the other team, right? That was nice, Bill. Yeah, I like the way you, you you set that up. That was like you know, like you've worked in broadcasting. Nice. Well, but you know, I mean, Henry Iba, who uh, grew up in Missouri, uh, that'd, that'd be Hank he, to, to most basketball fans. <laughs> Thank you. But you're welcome. But it, it really is this aspect. And last night I watched him play defense, and I get it. His job was, has been broken, and he's kind of gun shy a little bit. He was running behind screens, and his man, his man was just basically going all over the court, and um, and so that has to be looked at. But I. I if we don't trading, we're not going to go far. If we don't go far, I don't think um, 
you know, the other player is going to stay there. And so, you know, I, I, I think we're kind of in a bind, really. But I, I, I like the way they played. I like the way they played defense when he was gone. And uh, I think they got a really, really good team. Bill, thank you. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Well, it's going to be fun. We'll see. Memphis is next. Let's see how this thing gels. Tonight. Yep. Let's see how this thing gels. And boy, are they beat up. I know. And what if the Knicks finally lose one? Look at that. You wake up tomorrow, you're in third place. Okay. And then if it and doesn't, that doesn't go mean well anything. for the next week, you're in fifth. Yeah, so, know, easy, easy. Everyone's hanging out at like six back, six, seven back. It's been that way for about a week or two. So, I was just, I'm just I like, I just, hey, no, nope, didn't. Same spot. And nope. the problem is it doesn't matter right now, right? It doesn't matter. It matters when. When we got to start uh, figuring out who's what in seating positions. Hey, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. And the man to tell you when to do that, Nick Costos, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. He's next right here, Baskin and Phelps 92.3 The Fan. You better, you bet. And to see sports betting insider, Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the You Better, You Bet podcast. Search You Bet wherever you find your podcasts. Nick, what is up, my man? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Good. Hey, man, I hear you on all this national stuff over the yeah. weekend. You are big. I, I mean, I knew you were big time when you first started on with us, but I, I was like, was it Westwood One I heard you on oh, over, over the weekend? The and I was just like, man, Nick has got it going. He is killing it. I, Absolutely I, killing it. I, I appreciate it very much. Um, I, I like literally like let never leave my house and like only hang out with my wife. So it's as, as low key a personal life as you can imagine. But I appreciate the kind words. Well, I, I, was, I just enjoyed listening to you over the weekend, too. So Thank you but very much. I got to tell you, it, it's it's weird. Like, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Everyone wants to talk about the prop bets and stuff like that. But in some ways, it's a little depressing because it's only one game left. I know your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's well. Look, you know, I'm gonna give you like a selfish answer to the question. Sure, football's my favorite sport, and it's been like my favorite thing in life since I was a little boy. Like, it's I've always loved it the way like a lot of people uh, love it, right? Uh, it's uh, like a, other than your wife, Nick. Right? Well, now I would say okay. That, yes. There you go. Like, Thank throughout you. the balance Thank of my life, I would say that football has been my favorite thing. It's my favorite sport by far. The NFL is my favorite thing by far. But for me personally, like this represents the end of my. You know, like accountants have their busy season that ends like on April fifteenth, right when taxes are due. Um, my busy season's coming to an end, and I get more free time, so I'm happy about that. So in one sense, I'm a little bit happy that football season's ending, but. You know, probably probably once we get through the tournament, I would say, the NCAA tournament, I will start to, like on a random Thursday night, start like shaking uncontrollably, like where's my crappy Thursday night football game? Like I need it. I need it right now. So, <laughs> yeah, there's the yin and the yang of it. I will definitely miss it when it's gone. Yeah, we'll have Guardians against Mariners for you. Or better yet, Guardians Royals. Great. I'll, uh, I'll go to the beach. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> the... Did the did the folks who wagered nail the Super Bowl, nail the matchup? Uh, meaning, like, did people think this was going to be the matchup? Yeah. Well, I think that San Francisco was the team that – so the Niners and the Ravens were the two teams that were rated the best basically the entire season. And I think the point spread – and I bet Kansas City in the game, which is less to be like, look at how smart I am. Just like, I thought it was probably a little bit, a little bit too much, the point spread. Baltimore was favored by five. 
this past Sunday against Kansas City. Like a big number, obviously, for Mahomes and the Chiefs to be underdogs by. But I think if you went by what Baltimore did over the balance of the regular season in the divisional round playoff game against the Texans, like I think Baltimore kind of earned being a favorite in that range. And San Francisco was the best team in the NFC all season long. And really, like once Dallas got knocked off in the uh, in the wild card round, it would have been a major upset. And look, Detroit and Green Bay almost pulled those upsets. But in the betting market, it would have just been like tremendous upsets for the 49ers to not get there. Like almost a 10-point favorite against Green Bay, a 7.5-point favorite against Detroit. So I think betters kind of nailed San Francisco. Um, Kansas City, though, I think is a bit of a surprise because both, uh, both Baltimore and Buffalo were better rated than the Chiefs coming into the postseason. How many people saw 17-10 coming? And the fact that... You know, the Chiefs wouldn't have a touchdown in the second half. Wouldn't have well, a point well, in the second half. Well, I can tell you that, you know, a lot. A lot now, look, there were people that liked the over. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of sharp people I deal with, my co-host, Ken Barkley on You Better, You Bet, liked the under in the game. And it's kind of just, this is, and it was a combination of things. Both kind of, okay, like Lamar Jackson kind of prove it here against a defense like this, which he hasn't done in the playoffs. And I know... Like, they blew out the Texans. Like, great. Like, look, we'll look what they did against Kansas City. And then this Chiefs team is a different Chiefs team than the one that we've seen mm-hmm. throughout this, like, dynastic run. Um, their defense can, like, boa constrictor a game, can just, like, suffocate a game. And, and we saw them do that yet again. And they especially do it in the second halves of games. And, uh, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to throw for 400 yards. I think, like, he obviously can if they need him to because he might be the best football player ever. But that's not really what's required of them. So, yeah, I think some people might be surprised by that final score. Uh, I wasn't shocked that it was a lower-scoring game. What about the Super Bowl? Are we going to see a lower-scoring game? I, I would think with both of those offenses, we're not. So, I I like the over in the game. The total in the game right now is 47.5. My that's, thought that's is... That's a big total. Yeah, so my, my thought is, is that the game will get very loose at the end. And I think that we'll see a flurry of scoring at the end. I reserve the right to change my mind. So if I pop on with you guys next week, I'll be in Vegas. Like, I reserve the right to change my mind. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. But we've had a couple guests on our show this week already. And again, like my co-host on You Better You Bet, Ken Barkley, like he likes he likes the under in the game. With, again, like the thought process being, like this is, it's not going to be like an up and down game. It's just not how Kansas City plays. Now, San Francisco's defense can definitely be had. We saw Detroit kind of rip them up. Green Bay only scored 21 points in the divisional round, but they were like, horrendous in the red zone. I think all the early opportunities that Green Bay missed and they had to settle for short field goals. So maybe the thought is like Kansas City gets out to a lead and then literally just like smothers the game. And they just they suffocate the game, and that could happen. Now, I, I like the over in the game a little bit, but just providing that context to where some really smart people that I respect early on in the process think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. So just wanted to provide that information to people. All right, let's talk about this one, prop bets. First of all, give me your – I want your personal opinion on prop bets. And then and then how much money actually goes on these prop bets? I, I, I'm looking at prop bets for Taylor Swift and Usher and Gatorade and ads. And I, I just I, – I would be I, – I, I would never bet. So, like maybe heads or tails because that isn't – but there are people that know the outcome of all of these Correct. things. Correct. Yeah, and that's absolutely. why like th- those things scare the you-know-what out of me. Well, like, and well, here's the good news there. Um, the on those particular bets, yeah. Like once we talk, like we could talk about like Travis Kelsey receiving yards, but you're talking sure. more like like novelty stuff. Yeah, I'm giving you. I'm like, I, I, what was uh, what color shoes, uh, Taylor Swift's gonna wear? I mean, or like, like what's the first song Usher's gonna play? In yeah, the or how many songs in his set? 
Yeah, so here's the good news with that stuff. Yes, it is information-driven. So look, like, it's an open... I I don't even think it's a secret. I was going to say open secret. I don't even think it's a secret anymore. Um, Every, like, every week at the end of Super Bowl week, the National Anthem rehearsal gets leaked. It gets bet into absolute oblivion. Um, But there's the limits are really low on these things. So like, great. Like you can bet a hundred bucks on it. And as soon as it starts getting blasted, like sports books will take it down mm. um, because, because they know that they can get beaten on. It's not like a game starts and like an actual game happens. Right. It's okay. Like someone has seen ushers rehearsal and knows that like, yeah, with little John is going to be the first song. And then, okay, you have that information and then you bet a hundred dollars as many times as you can at different places. But it's not like you can bet, you know, $1,000, $100,000, a million dollars on these things. So, like, yes, I understand what you're saying where, like, it scares you because people will, like, know what it is in advance. You can't bet a lot of money into it because of that. And I think it's smart that um, that sports books and, uh, and offshore operators kind of conduct themselves in that way. Nick Costos joining us, our Odyssey Sports betting insider. I, I don't know, and forgive me for asking if, if you don't have this knowledge in your head. With legalized betting – in, in so many states now, in so many different opportunities to bet, how how much has it just exploded? Yeah. I mean, because oh, the, yeah. the Super Bowl has always been a huge betting thing nonetheless. How much more is it now, Nick? A lot. Is it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's not the same as it was. Like, I've been betting now for 20 years. Uh, I started betting – well, not quite 20. I started betting – my, uh, like the fall semester of my senior year of college at Fordham in 2004. So I'm almost at 20 years here. So I've been betting for a long time. It's way before it was like legal to do it domestically. We do it at offshores legally. Um, so it's, it's not even close to the same thing now where it was only at that point, like a handful of friends of mine would bet on games. And like, we all still bet on games and talk about it, which is fun. Now it feels like everyone throws a couple bucks down on games. And I'll always say with this, like, please gamble responsibly. And like, I, and just, can I go back and say one other thing about the novelty props for a sure. second? Sure, yeah. Um, I think I've said this with you guys before. So if you're out there listening, like I bet the coin toss every year for the Super Bowl. I bet tails every year. Because um, <laughs> tails never fails. It's scientifically proven. Like you, you, can make, you can make a bet like, hey, like what color is the Gatorade going to be? Even if you don't have information, like you can make a bet like this. Um, I would look at it as like you go to see a movie you pay $20 to see the movie and like you can bet, you can bet more than $20 or less if you want, like whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with. And at the end of the movie, you could be really entertained. And when you leave the movie theater, like you don't get your money handed back to you. Like that's an entertainment expense. So if you're going to make bets like these, that's not like about the game. And also like about the game can be an entertainment thing as well, where just like go into it knowing, Hey, like you may bet, like, let's say you bet a hundred dollars total on various bets on the Super Bowl, and you lose all of them at the end. You could have been entertained for three plus hours, but you don't get that money back. I would kind of look at it like that as opposed to like this grand money-making opportunity that, Hey, I really think the Gatorade color is going to be purple. Like, no, you don't like, you don't know that. So just like go into it, thinking of it as an entertainment expense. But yeah, this stuff has obviously exploded exponentially. Um, in the last however many years, and like selfishly for me, it's been really good. Like business is good. All right, so let me throw this one at you because we talked about this yesterday. If you think back, I don't know, ten years ago, I mean, the word gambling in NFL, man, I mean, their th- their hair would be set on fire in New York at the office when we talked about that. Now, NFL is partners with uh, a, a lot of the gaming sites, and the Super Bowls in Vegas. Yeah, are you shocked at where we are right now? No, because I think, you know, I would kind of like, we could frame the question a different way. 
Um, are you surprised that that people that are in the business of making money have decided to make more money? Right. Uh, so I would say no, because because uh, they can make more money doing this. So uh, I'm definitely not surprised. Um, but to your point, how far things have come, and I don't remember what year it was that this happened. I, I want to say it was 2015, but I could be wrong on this. There was a, a fantasy football convention, and I don't remember like which company ran it. Like a fantasy football convention in Las Vegas, and Tony Romo at the time was still the quarterback of the Cowboys, and yeah, Romo yeah. was announced as like a like a participant or a speak like the featured speaker or whatever at this fantasy football convention, and the NFL literally shut it down and like yeah. said like you can't do this, and think about where we are now like the Super Bowl literally going to be held in Las Vegas. So listen, like money talks in any walk of life, money talks. So I, I I can't sit here and pretend to be surprised that the NFL has been hypocritical because in being hypocritical, they now have more money than they did b- than, than before, than beforehand. All right, Nick, huge question here. AFC or NFC in the flag football Pro Bowl game? Uh, I know nothing about <laughs> either team. I'm a Giants fan, so I'll say NFC. What's the over-under? Uh, I, 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 I can't. 200. I I could not have possibly paid less attention to this. Uh, neither have we. We hate it. We I don't hate know everything the, about this. Thing. I don't know what the score. It's like Team Peyton and Team Eli. Great. Like I'll catch you next year. Zero interest in watching or betting it. So you're saying you, you're saying you're not concerned about the long snapping competition either tonight. I, it's tonight, isn't it? Yeah. I, I didn't even know there was one. So yes, I would say my concern is zero, zero percent for it. I've and never been dis- zero. I've never been more disappointed in you, Nick, than I have right. I, I I would sooner sit down and I mean and like I I may watch some of the game anyway. I would rather watch all four quarters of the Cavs Grizzlies game tonight than one second of the long snapping competition. <laughs> oh, all great. right, say goodbye, my friend, and have a good weekend. All right, yeah, wishing everybody minimal sweats when he bets the absolute very best of luck. I'll catch up with you guys next week from Vegas, and we can give our pick for the game then. Awesome, thank you. You got it. Thanks, Nick. All right, plenty of stuff going on with the PGA. Uh, Pebble Beach is this week, which I love watching on TV. It's one of my Ooh, favorite things to watch. Pebble. Um, especially when I think back to Tiger Woods playing there and just being such a regular golfer or player when he you know, threw a couple in the drink on their most famous hole there, which I love. Like To me, that that's what makes professional golf cool to me is that you can see the frustrations that you would have when you're still playing. and so. But the reality is that they're – Ten zillion times better than you'll ever be when you uh, swing a golf club. And I remember Pebble or Tiger Woods having the most dominant performance in a major ever yeah. when he won yep. by, what, 15 strokes? U.S. Open. That Wasn't and, it the U.S. Open? Yeah, yes. and, and do you remember Jose Mario Alfabo just dominating Firestone? Well, like, we were talking about Pebble. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about Firestone. You know, remember Firestone, the place the PGA Tour abandoned? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? I'm just saying. I, this is I'm still I'm angry. Still angry. I know the seniors are here, and I appreciate that. But anyway. Dan, would you like to try and grab the wheel and get the thing back on the tracks? No, I'm driving the train, baby. I'm driving the train. Dan, I'll ask you in a second. So anyway, so we're talking about PGA Tour. Oh, now you're going to hop on board? Okay, cool. Good sound effect. That's a good one. Junior Dr. Red Pen over here. Um, oh, yeah, because I I can correct anyone about anything. I can hardly put a sentence together. Don't sell yourself short. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You absolutely cannot put a sentence together, but neither can I most days if I don't cough through it. So here's my question for you. What, what is the deal? There was an influx of sports owners this week that are here in the States that put a bunch of money behind the PGA Tour. Like, can somebody explain to me what's going on with Live and PGA Tour so I don't have to go read the Encyclopedia Britannica? This It's, to me, on the outside, it just feels like, are we being lied to? Are there lies going on here? Or, like, what is the real deal with what's going on? That's right. a fine question. I don't know the answer to it. Oh, I was asking, Dan. So, so I'm here ahead. to... Yeah. I am here to help to the best of my ability. So we have all embraced Liv for this philosophy. We're not just doing this for money. We're doing it for a load of money. Okay. And so now we all understood that that's pretty much what the Liv tour was for. And and it's hard to argue with that. And a little bit to spread the game globally. Let's be honest. I mean, if we're doing a pie chart of this entire thing, I would say 98% of it is... We're not just doing this for money. We're doing it for a load of money. And like a little chunk of it is to spread the game globally. Okay. Like, like 100% right. honesty. Okay. So the members of the PGA Tour who stood packed inside of there watched what was happening in Live and defended the PGA Tour, basically saying, hey, you stick where here. This is where notoriety is. This is what we've always done. This is, you know, if you want to be known around the golf world, this is the best way to do that and be able to provide and for your family and all that stuff. And they brought us this far. So let's stick with them. But behind the scenes, where we all know all good deals take place, yeah, they were going, okay, this is this is garbage. These guys are getting paid up front by the Saudi government. Yes, it's blood money. Yes, there's all sorts of problems that come with that money. But they're getting paid a lot of money up front to play golf while we're out here grinding on the tour to earn this money by how we do. Which, Which by the way, two completely different models. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which the Live Tour does still have some of that. But when you win, it's more of a bonus. You still have a flat salary. You, you don't win. Ah, too bad. Here's your big check. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the PGA Tour behind the scenes, Rory, Jordan Spieth, JT, all of those guys that are involved in there were basically going like, okay, we'll hang. But at some point, we need a check. And so that has become the start of this. 
which is now a for-profit fund, which is where this money is going to, which is $3 billion by a multiple U.S.-based sports groups mm. to start this. What does that mean? That's about as vague as they could possibly announce, isn't it? And that's kind of the, the question that comes with this is where is this money going to go? It's, it's about $3 billion, which has been rumored by multiple reports. It is coming from the Fenway Sports Group. It's coming from the former owner of the Brewers, the current owner of the Brewers, who are both hedge fund guys. Like, it's coming from a lot of different areas that this money is going to be a part of in the PGA Tour to help improvement as a for-profit entity. And that for-profit entity, the idea behind that is that now I can cut you a check with a contract that says, congratulations, for the next 10 years, you're going to make $20 million for playing golf per year. Here's your check. Thank you very much, Jordan Spieth. Now, you tell me. Mm-hmm. Should you have to? Should you have to compete and win on the PGA Tour, and, and do really well to make your money? I mean, that's the one thing. The PGA Tour was to me the most pure professional sport going, because it was an elite, elite group that could possibly be on the tour. First of all, you know, under two hundred guys. And at least I think that's the number. Last I remember, it was like 140 had PGA Tour cards every year or something. And then, you know, guys would get in on you know, sponsor exemptions and things like that. But it's it's a small number. I don't know the exact, but it's small. And and if you didn't play well, you didn't win. You know, you didn't get money. And I, and I always thought that was kind of rough. But I is always that true, though, because you've got sponsors? Like you don't have to well, win. Uh, you, okay, if you win, you'll get more sponsors. But if but you're you number, also, if you're number one twenty-five, you know, on the money list, you're probably not getting the kind of sponsors. No, but if you're one twenty-five and you're a year out of college, and you're an investment for the investment group that wants to invest in you, I mean, it's a lot of investing. But you, can't you see where those companies would want to invest, thinking that they know? their name of their company is going to get out there as these guys get yeah. better. You know, the one thing I, I like about about the $3 billion and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I always thought that guys on tour should have a salary. I, I There should be a base salary. Yes, yes. I agree. You know, so hey, base you're salary, on tour, you're getting yeah. a quarter of a million a year. Let's just say that. Sure. You know, so, so that that's tour minimum, and then you can go and get – and get earnings on top of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the philosophy behind this. Is yeah. that yeah. and it's going to be the big boys. And from what and again, this is all well, just rumors and rumblings and all of that. Uh, yeah, kind of I think there should right be now. like a rookie minimum like yep. they have in the NFL. Yeah. yeah I don't scale. Have well, but if you're going to So this is going to be the problem with this stuff is if you're going to then have a salary and it's going to be for everybody who is on the tour, how are you going to regulate that the best players are on there and have guys be able to join the tour without because right now they're kind of operating off of the nightclub idea, which is basically, okay, we have a maximum capacity of this amount. This amount of people go down. This amount of people go up. This amount of people leave. This amount of people come in. All right, but so how, how are you going to regulate that if you're going to have a base salary, which is what they're trying to figure out if you for just, that idea? If, if you have the same base salary for everybody, then that's where performance matters, you know? Right. Then, hey, I'm winning big. Okay, great. You've won millions and millions and millions of dollars. I didn't play very well. Good. Well, then you got your 250. Good luck to you. It's so almost go back like to tour school. Yeah. It's almost like they should cover travel benefits and well, and, and, and that that so, they don't they don't pay, you know, the guys have to pay their own caddies. Yeah. Oh, that's true too. And that's 
the issues that are currently being worked out yeah. with a lot of different things because for years the PGA Tour was a nonprofit entity, which meant that it didn't have to deal with any of these things right? because all of them were independent contractors. So this is the stuff that's currently being figured out in courts all over the place with people who are far smarter than all of us are. Okay, I, just, I want to throw one other thing, just, and this is a three-minute conversation, that you know, you look at, at what's going on with the Live Tour and they, they really are like hammering down this team golf concept. Yeah. I just don't think the team golf concept works if you don't have a city or a region behind it. So the Saudis love this, and the guys love it because it's another way that they can play crummy on a week and still I be understand. able to make money. I, I understand that's, that's that. That's the point, because mm-hmm. they're paying all these guys, and there are no cuts on the live tour. Exactly. So you have to have some kind of structure in place that it, that your game still matters. If you go out and shoot 80 on the first round, you're not going to win the tournament. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Still got two more rounds you have to play? Well, what's the incentive there? Well, now all of a sudden I'm playing for a team. I get it. But Andy, I don't think I don't think fans have embraced it. I don't think fans understand it. I yeah, mean, I don't think I do think though, if you put a regionality behind it, a country behind it, oh, a there's city a country behind, behind it. it. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying multiple countries behind it. An oil. Do you know, like I? So I was trying to explain to Dan the concept of uh, world team tennis, which we had the Cleveland Nets on. Come on, Bjorn. All right, so we had, like, we had Beyond Borg, we had Martina Navratilova. Yeah, that, that, ca- that kind of worked. for Cleveland. Did it or did we it We had not? Marty Risen. Yeah, Marty Risen, yes. I, I just, I look at these things, Jeff, and I'm like, huh, it, it would be really easy for the PGA if they wanted to kind of regionalize it to make teams, and it doesn't matter where you're from, but you would have a home event if you had a tour in your town. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? So you would have a home event. I am going to say the rudest thing to you that I've ever said in my entire life, and I'm going to apologize now. Okay. You're trying to fix something that doesn't want to be fixed. That's 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 what's happening That's here. really true. You're trying to fix something that doesn't want to be what fixed. What I'm saying to you, though, is if they want to go ahead and keep pushing this team concept. Only the Live Tour is the one that's doing it. The PGA Tour still PGA hasn't is touched want to do it. it? No. I mean, it's what makes it Ryder Cup successful, right? Yes. Well, that's a different type of team. I know, but what I'm saying is you get the teams because of the country aspect. Like, that to me is team golf that I love. I just, I, I look at the Live Tour team golf and I'm like, oh, the Dragons against the Snakes? Oh, who cares, right? Like, to me, that's just silly. The Steelers against the Bengals. Who care? Oh, wait a minute. Now we care. 
Right. Well, you have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati behind it, so you're wrong on that one. Right. Yeah. And Dr. The, Red well, Pen, you're and wrong. The dozens well. who are tuning into the CW network before it gets preempt for the shake weight <laughs> are really locked in. Oh, man. Why that you got to. Shake weight's an interesting tool. As I said, I, it is the rudest thing I will ever say to you, and I apologize immediately. Oh, no. You've said a lot more. You're rude trying things. to fix something that doesn't want to be fixed. Now you made me think about Suzanne Summers. This is this is Three's Company two days in she a row. She did the now. thigh master, not the shake weight. Oh, she didn't. I thought she did the shake weight. She was the thigh master gal. Oh man, that's why I'm so lucky. Made to a lot of today. money on that thigh master. Two days in a row. Matt, uh. Yesterday it was Joyce DeWitt. Yes. Today it's Suzanne Summers. Yes. Thank you. Pretty For, soon it's the one that was the Rams cheerleader. What was her name? Who was that? I don't know. Paula Abdul? The one after Suzanne So she was a Lakers. Okay. Daryl Ryder, our beat reporter, covers everything. Next, Baskin and Phelps. It's time for our Cleveland beat reporter, Daryl Ryder. He's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Hi, Daryl. How are you? Don't let Jeff hear you say that, Jeff. I I think he's – I like it better than the Simpsons, and the Simpsons have been around for like ever. Yeah, that's there, true. there, there are some uh, some quality uh, usage of the name Daryl in um, sitcom and movies alike. Daryl on the Office was a good yeah. Character. I think that's the one yeah. we should go. We should try to find some of those. <laughs> we'll start working on that. Uh, hey, let's start with the Cavs. You covered the Cavs last night. Your thoughts on uh, Garland coming back and where this team's going? Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, you know a lot of conversation about minutes and, and lineups and how pieces and parts are fitting together. And, and look, I, it's a work in progress now as they have the opportunity to reintegrate two key pieces to the puzzle here in uh, Mobley and Garland. Um, right now on, on the minutes restrictions, they went 10 deep. I don't know that JB is going to be able to keep uh, using five players off his bench. Some minutes are going to get lost in there uh, somewhere, but I just kind of feel like last night is a game where they they struggle. In years past, they might have lost that game. And uh, they, they just, you know, they, they found a way to get done. And a big reason why was because of Donovan Mitchell scoring uh, 20 of his 45 in the fourth quarter. I think he made... Six of the final nine Cavalier field goals. His last six points came from the free throw lines. And as J.B. Bickerstaff called him last night, the closer, he was the closer for the Cavs. And um, so uh, not going to argue with the results, but, um, you know, I I think fans need to understand that they're far from a finished product. And the exciting part about them being far from a finished product is they're 29 and 16. And uh, JB mentioned last night he feels like they're going to be really, really good once they get the uh, the minutes and the rotation settled in. What's going to be the difference now as opposed to when they've been healthy in the past, Daryl? Well, I think the style, Jeff, um, because while Mobley and Garland were out, they kind of switched things up a little bit. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting uh, you know they're 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 trying to create spacing on the floor by using the perimeter, and you know it, it's the one thing I've learned in the, the covering these last two games in person versus what I was watching on on TV is it, it's a lot different watching it. You, you don't really necessarily get an appreciation of some of the the spacing that JB is trying to accomplish by having them 
shoot 35 to 43 pointers uh, a game. But that, I mean, it's the modern NBA. It's it's fun to watch. That's for sure. I mean, they're you know they're the hottest offense uh, in the league for the last month and a half. Um, you know, they're they're getting extra possessions. I I like to quite frankly see them make a greater percentage of those three pointers. But uh, where I'm going with this thought is is Evan Mobley. And they really want him to work on his perimeter game uh, beyond the arc and start taking those shots and making opposing teams respect him from beyond the arc. And I think that, Jeff, if that happens over the course of, let's say, the next two months, two and a half months before the playoffs begin, right, if they can go into the playoffs with Evan Mobley, a legitimate threat from beyond the arc as much as he is, you know, in the post or in the paint, um, I, I think that this uh, Cavaliers team will be a lot of fun to watch come uh, playoff time. I'll I'll just say this, and then I'll move on to something else. He's shooting eighteen percent on threes, Daryl. I, I know. I mean, but come, you know come what? On, Pratt, man. I, I Here's get a it. turnip. Let me squeeze it and get some blood. <laughs> I I get it. But also, too, he's young enough that you can try and develop that. All I, right? I agree with and, that. And, and, I do and, agree and with at that. some point, uh, and to your I hear you because, you know, like I said, um, you know, last night uh, they shot 34% collectively as a team from beyond the arc. On Monday night against the Clippers, they were 32.5% from beyond the arc. I don't like, I, I you know, 13 of 40 Monday night. Last night they were 12 of 35. Um, again, I don't have a problem with, taking the volume of shots I have a problem with they're not making enough of them <laughs> you know what I'm saying like yeah if you're gonna take the, them you better make them right no, that's uh, the but thing the crazy part of this whole thing though is because I'm like all right they they have so many empty possessions right because then you look at the offensive rebounding you know uh Monday night uh against the Clippers uh they had 11 offensive rebounds last night against the Pistons they had 10 offensive rebounds so that means you have a lot of empty possessions in there, but they're still winning games. So it's like, it's really hard for, and I totally agree with you and I get where you're coming from, Jeff, but even me, like I just, it's hard for me to argue that what they're trying to do is not working because they're winning games doing it. So, um, but they got to get that three point shooting percentage up from my standpoint. And the more Evan Mobley does it and becomes comfortable, um, be still our hearts. He did take a shot from beyond the arc last night. He missed it, but he did hit the rim. So there's that. Let me uh, throw one one more thought at you. Do you get the sense that anybody over there thinks they're on a clock that is is clearly there, and it's a year and a half clock to when Donovan Mitchell can opt out, or or does everybody feel like, man, we're this is fine. We'll we'll make it all work because. As I said earlier in the show, something huge has to happen in the next year and a half. Either you re-sign him, you trade him, or you trade somebody else and and make it work. Do you get the sense that they they feel any kind of a a time situation here? If they do, which I'm sure they do, right? I mean, it's... I'd be stunned if they didn't, right? Um, that, that's Kobe Altman's job. He has to plan for today. He also has to plan for next season and the seasons to come, right? As far as how he uses assets, including cap space and cash and draft picks and things like that, right? Um, that being said, 
to their credit, they do a very good job of projecting a unified, focused on the moment and today message. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like that they know the train is coming down the tracks right at them. Yep. But also at the same time, they know it's coming. But if they spend all their energy thinking about that rather than solving the problem of getting out of the way, getting off the tracks, right? You see what I'm saying? Yep. Then it's just, it, it's obviously is not going to produce the result that they're, they're hoping to get, right? And they're not going to get the return on the investment that they made in acquiring Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. So, uh, yes, I'm very, I'm very confident. They know the clock is ticking. They, they, know, they know what day it is on the calendar. They, they know when the milk expires, uh, and they got to toss it out. But also at the same time, they're focused on maximizing what they have, and that's why with the trade deadline coming up, I'm not. I just I don't see a major move there. I don't either. I I think that if they make any type of a move, it, it's going to be on the periphery uh, for maybe some bench help. But then I don't know what bench help do they really need. It, it, it you know may, do they need another shooter? Possibly. Um, I don't think that they need another big. Um, and you know right now again you went ten deep on or I should say ten deep on your roster, five from your bench last night. I don't know that that's viable going forward. Somebody is going to lose some minutes once Evan Mobley and Darius Garland's minutes restrictions expire. All right, Daryl, I want to switch gears. I want to talk a little football with you for a second, and not the Super Bowl. Last week, I know you did a, a great job trying to track down the mayor of Cleveland and talking about the stadium stuff that's going on. What's the latest on the stadium stuff? Well, right now, I mean, it's it. Things seem to be pretty calm. Whatever conversations they're happening, they're they're doing a a good job keeping those behind closed doors. But the impression that I get is they just, for whatever reason, are still full steam ahead on the lakefront and trying to make that whole situation viable for everybody. Involved. When you say they, you mean the city, the city, team, the or, Browns, okay. every yeah, everybody. Okay, so it it's like that's Plan A. And I, I kind of get the feeling that's also plan B and C. Um, so we have options. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Here, here is your option right so there. Right? W- w- so if they decide to stay on the lakefront, will they just yeah. take uh, – because it's going to cost, what, like a billion dollars to fix that. Will that's they just the, take that's, the – that's, that's the starting price tag. Oh, okay. So I, it, I will be shocked if they get it done for a billion. If they're going to stay at that spot, will they just take the million dollars, put it in the lake, and just flush it? Oh, a million or a billion? Billion, sorry, billion. Uh, I, I, uh, I'd love to see them take that whole stadium and throw it in the lake. Yeah, that's frankly. my point. I mean, if you're going to throw a um, billion dollars into the stadium, I, I mean, yeah. you may as well just throw it in the lake. Just put a billion dollars in the lake. Here's my thing. I just don't feel like a renovation solves the overarching problem, and that is it, giving them a building that can be used year-round. Yes, you can create spaces within the building that can be used year-round, and I recognize that, but I'm talking on – the big, massive scale, right? Last week, they had the big announcement. Billy Joel, Rod Stewart, going to be uh, September 13th, right? I'm going to tell you right now, and the Browns have some of the best groundskeepers that you'll ever find. They do a fantastic job. That field's going to be a cow pasture next season, probably. Even with all the protection that they do of the sod and all that for concerts, it's probably going to be a cow pasture. Just get ready for it. Uh, pray for lots of sunny September days and no rain. So that uh, you know they can get that thing, uh, you know, back up to standard uh, after that concert. But 
you know, you want a building. If you're going to invest, how many figures is it? I I can't even count that many figures. How many figures is a billion dollars? Seven. Three, six, nine, ten? Ten no, figures? No, it's ten. Yeah, a if million If you're going seven. ten figures Jeff, in an investment. Yeah, well, I was off the top of my head. Yeah. I had to think for a minute. Uh, Trust so me, Andy, I. when it comes to millions and billions, I'm not your guy. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Neither am I. Um, but if you're going to invest ten figures in a facility, right, you, you from my standpoint, why don't you have something that you can have, you know, a major event one night and play a football game the next night, like you see around the country? Um, that's just that's just my view of the situation. Uh, I, I keeping the thing open air, and I, I just I don't think that that and putting in some clubs and new scoreboards, and hopefully they're not in the shape of Tennessee this time, and you know whatever else they want to do. Wow. I, just, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that solves the the overarching. Uh, concern that a lot of people have, and that's the calendar. And the Haslam's have done a really good job of trying to add those extra dates to the stadium calendar every year. But yeah, I mean, we got about 18 more months of this conversation before we got to get to a resolution here. But similar to the Cav- what Jeff was talking about with the Cavaliers, uh, with the Browns in the stadium, that clock is also ticking fast. We're going to do our positional breakdowns of linebackers coming up. Is there one other position group on the team that might get less attention and maybe deservedly so because there's so much attention <laughs> on the D-line and the DBs than, than what the Browns are going to be doing at linebacker? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they're going to have a decision to make with Anthony Walker, okay? Yep. Uh, you know, and and it's, a, it's a two-way decision, right? I mean, f- for the second straight year, Anthony is coming off of surgery again. Um, so th- there's a decision that you have to make there. Um, you know, I thought JOK was fabulous uh, last season. I, I really did. Um, you know, Sione Takitaki, I, I thought, uh, w- was pretty good uh, as well. But, you know, they, there are some business decisions that are going to have to be made at that position group. So I, I don't know if less attention gets paid to them, Jeff, and, and I understand why you say that. Um, but they're going to, I think, have to pay attention to that uh, this offseason. Yeah, I'm just – we're trying to figure out how they're going to just – how they're going to figure out with all pay of these everybody. free agents. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I think that's the hard part, right? Yeah, well, and I mean, look, this is, this is part of the juggling act that we've seen Andrew Berry do since taking over as the EVP of Football Ops and GM is – you know, he's become somewhat famous not only for his aggressiveness in making trades and bringing pieces and parts in that way, right, to fill needs, but also he's really aggressive in the one-year contract. Um, he's good for at least five or six one-year contracts every offseason, right? Um, and and to his credit, those one-year contracts have, have actually paid dividends, like, I think they squeezed the most that they were going to get out of Jadavian Clowney out of that one-year contract, all right? Obviously, year two, or this bringing him back on a second one-year contract didn't end the way everyone hoped, but then you look at how he ended up playing in Baltimore on a one-year contract. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think Barry's done a nice job of of really maximizing the usage of those one-year contracts, but the low... Uh, risk commitment with a one-year contract also presents the problem of well, you can't, you, you you're not locking pieces in for significant amounts of time either. So if they perform really, really well, 
you risk you know losing that player um, the the following year. All right, Daryl, I have news for you. The Poobah has walked in the room and wants to speak to you. Go for it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Come on, man. We have breaking Browns news that these guys are going to read to you, and you have to give quick answers as to what uh, is going to happen because it's really, really important. I'm ready, Daryl. Are you ready? Uh, All right, I'm I'm, I'm about to pour one out. Oh, you're going to love this. Okay. The uh, NFL has announced the participants for the Pro Bowl games. Oh, boy. You ready? The best catch from the NFC, it'll be Puka Nakua of the Rams against David Njoku of the Cleveland oh. Browns. Pre-taped landmarks around Orlando. Best catch. Uh, I, I thought that was going to be uh, I thought it was going to be an Amari Cooper. David Njoku. Event. All right. Pick. Yep, pick one. Is Miles Garrett even participating this Hang year? On. Hang we'll, on, we'll, you're we jumping the gun, him. man. It's yeah. like working with the Pooh Buyers. Jumps okay. the gun, too. All right. Who's so winning that? Is he winning or not? Oh, he does. Like any of us know. Come That's on. That's what he said. What's answers? You want a quick Darryl, result? Daryl, just no. say David. He no. says Ninjoku loses. Well, Puka's the hot rookie. They're going to yeah. they're gonna make it so that he wins. Okay, yeah. next. You ready, Daryl? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned him as what a phenomenal season that JOK had at linebacker for the Browns. 20 tackles for loss. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Uh, as a reward, he gets to participate in the closest-to-the-pin competition. <laughs> What? Yeah, JOK playing golf. These, Who's he up against? These are. Uh, he's on the AFC team with AJ Cole, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Alec Engold of Miami, Raheem Mostert. Uh, yeah. so I don't know enough about his and golf. Five, Why are they doing this I, to I, us? I, I, I don't know. Keep Why is the all, NFL doing this to us? The high stakes competition starts off with two footballs in hand, uh-huh. and then each player will attempt to catch punts from a jugs machine. Oh, this will go well. In it. Who's getting hurt in this contest? Denzel Ward. (laughs) Oh, Denzel. Oh, man. Denzel's in that one. Marvin Mims is in it. I'm trying to think if I ever saw Denzel field a punt at practice. Uh, I don't think, I don't remember him fielding a punt in in a Browns practice. Did he at Ohio State? So I'm I'm guessing that's going to go real well for him. And I love Denzel, but I don't know that catching punts is his thing. Dodgeball? We all understand that one, right? I'm all for dodgeball. Yeah, no Browns. Oh, if, good. If wasn't that the one Miles got hurt in last year? No, he he was in the gauntlet last year. He got oh, hurt. that was the he, gauntlet. He got hurt jumping yeah. over and crawling under things. Yeah, uh-huh. kick. Remember, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Kick, tack, toe. Uh, the kicker doing his thing. It's Justin Tucker uh, against Travis Kelsey. Oh no, I I'm sorry, against Brandon Aubrey. Yeah, I, I still yeah. say Dustin Hopkins got robbed. I, I realize Justin Tucker's going in the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah. I, I think Dustin Hopkins totally got robbed. Move the chains, offensive and defensive lineman strength and speed competition. Okay. Miles Garrett. All right. He's well, let's of, hope, hopefully of, he hasn't break his foot this yeah, time. Yeah, he's one of five. And then uh, Miles is also in, Daryl, the gridiron gauntlet. Oh, why would he do that again? So what is, is wrong with Teller. him? I, I just, yeah, I. Wyatt have five seconds here. Listen. Uh, what I'm, about I'm Mar- struggling with Hurry, Pro Bowl long games, snap, yes or no? Madden head to head, David Njoku. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Madden. Uh, I'm going Njoku over Tyreek. Tug of War, Wyatt Teller. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he could be good. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why, you go, Wyatt Teller. All right, in case you're yeah. wondering, Denzel Ward one punt return uh, at Ohio State. Uh, 10 yards. There you uh, go. Okay, that's gonna go really well. There we go, Daryl. Thank you. We <laughs> thank appreciate you. Thank you, D. All right, I'm gonna go have a drink now. 
All right, Daryl. Daryl. Jeff, Jeff Daryl. We're going to hear from Daryl in a second here, too. So, all right, we continue on. For those of you who have been playing along at home, done too many positional... game day in Cleveland podcasts, I have. apparently, pal. 12 years, and he calls me Daryl. You're going to be okay. I'll be all right. Do you, do you need a hug? I like Daryl. You need a hug? I think but I've I known Daryl longer than I've known you. Uh, no. I think I do. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back to 89? I, I only count 2003. Oh, oh, you don't. <laughs> so the first time I met you didn't matter. That's what you're saying. Hey, there's Jeff Phelps from Channel 43, guys. Really? That's the oh, That's the loser? Guy? That's a, oh, my God. There is hope we can get a job. <laughs> we are going to get out of Kent State University. Uh, we are going to get a job because <laughs> if this guy can get a job, thank you. anybody can get a thank job. Thank you very much. Jeff, tee it up, my friend. Tee it up. Here we go. Yesterday was the defensive line. Today is linebackers, baby. Cleveland Browns positional breakdowns with Baskin and Phelps. And today we talk about the linebacking core for your Cleveland Browns. And now that we know that Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa is going to compete in the golf competition at the Pro Bowl games. And he might sing while he's doing it. Uh, he is in. 100% in. There is a There could be a lot of turnover in the linebacker's spot as I look just quickly. One, two, three, four, five free agents in the linebacking yeah. core in this season. So you tell me, my friend, what will the linebacking core look like and what do we think of the current linebacking situation? Can I, I, I I'm going to sound so like Daryl harsh as Menigan said earlier, harsh. I'm going to sound harsh when I say this. Are you ready? The entire linebacking situation comes down to only three words. The first one is Jeremiah. What's the second one? Awusu. And the third one is Koromoa. That's it. Darn, I was going to go with was and bullfrog. See, there you go. It's, I'm sorry to say that's all that matters here. Uh, JOK is 24. He played a lot of snaps last year, 72%. He's under contract. He led the team in tackles. He was fourth in the NFL in tackles for loss with 20. He was a Pro Bowl alternate. He's filling in for TJ Watt now. He's going to the Pro Bowl games where he can hit golf balls. Other than that, at linebacker, anything. I goes. don't think anything matters, and I, I don't. And Andy, you just said anything goes. You're exactly right. You have free agents: Matthew Adams, Jordan Kanoshik. They mainly played special teams. Yeah. Okay. So they do not, like Kanoshik, though. There's oh, no question. They, they, they like they them like both. Like, yeah. yeah. They're and they're terrific. So you want them back for special teams? Great. Uh, here, here's the conundrum. And you tell me. And and uh, Andy and Dan, I, I need your thoughts. Anthony Walker is terrific. I really like Anthony Walker. I do, too. He played 42% of the snaps last year. That's a problem. He's played three years with the Browns. He missed 12 games this season. Since he's been in Cleveland, he has missed 23 of a possible 51 games. If you don't, if Andy's waving. If you don't bring him back, is anybody going to be really mad? Unfortunately, uh, Anthony hasn't been on the field very much. He's barely played in half the games since he's been here for three years. He unfortunately hasn't been able to stay healthy. I like him a lot. I do. I think he's terrific. And he's, I do, too. He's but, great for the team. But? If he's not on the field, doesn't do you any good. Agree. So, 
you're going to go. It, it could be, hey, okay, who's available to play middle linebacker and make tackles behind our great defensive line? We'll, we'll bring in B.J. Goodson again. You know, they'll go get whoever it is, right? It's the Quell Jackson time again. Ooh, and I don't mean those guys in particular, but you know what I mean. Of You'll course. go find somebody to play middle linebacker, and he'll come in and he'll make a lot of tackles. That's what happens there. Sione Takitaki is a free agent. Former third-round pick. Um, not by this crew, Andy. He was a John Dorsey pick, but they they stuck with him. Now, he's durable. He's had a possible 72 games as a Brown. He's missed only 11 in five seasons. He's played 53% of the snaps. Has he been impactful enough that you would want to give him a big free agent contract? Or, or maybe, you know, maybe it becomes what Daryl said. You get a one-year deal. Guys, you want it? Here, one-year deal, and here's decent pay. I wouldn't sign him to a multi-year. He, he's been he's been productive, but I don't know that he's been hugely impactful for you. Then here's one that I think is painful. You guys tell me. W- would you bring back Taki Taki? Yeah, that's the question. Un- under what circumstances would you bring him back? One year? One yes. with an option? Something like that? You know where he falls into? What? The dreaded Browns third round pick god man they got a lot of them did they did they get like 17 bonus third round picks over the last four years it just seems like everybody's a third round pick. just going through it cedric tillman do, david bell do you want him back I, it wouldn't bother me if it he wouldn't comes bother back. me i thought there were signs of life uh especially towards the end of the season with one year uh one two maybe two year, I, yeah bring him back he knows the system okay yeah I, I think this is where jim schwartz comes into play if schwartz wants him back he should be back Piano. This feels about as plug-and-play as you're going to get. It's going to depend on what Jim Schwartz wants. He's never really had massive linebacker play. I mean, even go back to those Eagles days when the, yeah. that defense was rolling, they always said you could attack the linebackers. That's just kind of how the Jim Schwartz defense rolls. He's defensive line. He's, and he's the secondary. De- exactly. And everything in the middle is there to take up space. And that's why that's why I don't think you lose any sleep. If they don't bring back Taki Taki, they'll find somebody else to play linebacker. Here's one that I is, is tough. I had high hopes for Jacob Phillips. He was a third-round pick, Andrew Barry's first draft. He turns 25 in April. He's still really young. In four seasons, Andy, four seasons, he's played in 20 games. Mm. That's it. 20 games in four seasons. He didn't play this year. He's just been hurt. He looks like, you know, he looks like exactly what you think a linebacker should look like. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's injured. Always. At least that's the way it seems. Uh, what a he, nice... He's never played in more than... I know you're going... I knew you'd drop four seasons on me. Well, you um, keep saying it, so... No yeah, more than nine games. Glass of sherry He's here. played no more than nine games in a season. It was late December back in 63 when he was... Oh, no, I'm sorry. That, was, that wasn't his rookie year. Uh, he's played no more than nine games in a season. He played four games in 2021, seven in 2022, none last year. Just don't call him a rag, though. You want him back? You know, uh, you, you almost sign him to a non-guaranteed contract if if you even think of bringing him back. Hey, here's a non-guaranteed contract. You want to come to training camp and try and earn a job? And but he's You never, should be ahead of the game because you know what's never going been, on. He's never been helped. Who's who's on the roster? J.O.K. Uh, Mahmoud Diabate. All right, he's under contract through 2025. Tony Fields, draft choice, under contract through 2025. And they have two guys on reserve future contracts, Caleb Johnson and Charlie Thomas. In other words, 
you've got one real linebacker. And that's JOK. That's it. Yeah. And then they're going to have to fill out the position with other guys. Either you bring a couple back, you bring one back, or Caleb Johnson or Charlie Thomas get going. I like Diabate. He's pretty active. I, I like him. Tony Fields. I think they like him, too. He, he can be active. Maybe those guys, maybe it's time you just play the younger guys because you don't. It doesn't matter. Right, that's, it's a, Andy. I that's, mean, linebackers have become the backup running backs the running, of the NFL. Andy? Nice little package right you're there. You're on the money, right? Thanks. Sometimes we we uh, we think alike. Um, I'm wondering how you're thinking about kickers because I know one funny man has a really interesting idea. We'll talk about that and a little bit more on the linebackers straight ahead. Coming up at 1 o'clock, Howard Beck from the Ringer and Sirius XM. We'll talk some hoops with him. Basket and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. All right, what do we got about Larry David here? So Larry David's been doing a bit of a promotional tour with the new season of, season of Curb coming back, which will be Sunday night. It'll be nice to have Curb back. It is the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, or so they are claiming at this point. Larry's making it sound like it very much is. So he was on the Bill Simmons podcast. Larry David, of course, a giant sports fan, was given the was given the time to give his thoughts once again oh boy. on kicking in the NFL. But I really believe that we should get rid of goalposts in football. Field goals ruin the game. They don't enhance the game. They make it worse. You have this, you have a guy who's kicking a ball through parallel bars to win games. <laughs> Why? There's no reason behind it. He's not a football player. Buffalo didn't lose that game. This guy, this one guy who's not even a football player, loses the game for them. Why do we have to have it? What For what reason? It's so stupid, though. In a baseball game, should they put up parallel bars in center field and, <laughs> and have a fungo specialist try and hit the ball through the parallel bars? It has nothing to do with the game. Yeah, you come in, you bring in your fungo specialist, and he tries to hit the fungo through the parallel bars. <laughs> this actually field. sounds like a good bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's as dumb as that. <laughs> Here comes Bonzo, our fungo specialist. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to come uh, in here. Oh, looks like the fungo specialist is warming up. <laughs> it's interesting. He's unbelievable. You know, when you, when you think about it, though, what, what is football? It's 22 guys on the field at a time. Right. Trying to advance the football and physically beating on each other and getting hit and everything else. And then out of nowhere, it's like, here comes a guy. I'm going to put my foot on this ball. That nobody else on the field does, except the punter, and and there you go, kick three. <laughs> it's so and Scott, goofy. Scott Norwood didn't lose the Super Bowl for the Bills. He just didn't win it. <laughs> you can't assume points. You can't assume. I uh, there are we do have a do we have too many we have too many rules right huh we have too many rules in, in football? football yeah. Like, Andy, like Andy, to us, it have, doesn't really matter. so many rules in football that the networks with the highest paid play-by-play guys in the world have rules analysts to help them figure out what's going on. Yes, there are too many rules. Right, so I'm watching this play. I don't know if it was from this year or not. It was a CFL play, okay? Quarterback drops back, throws pass to receiver who's standing behind the original line of scrimmage, Okay. Receiver takes ball, throws it off his foot like a mini punt, recovers it, and now it's a first down. I'm like, what is this all about? And then I'm like, how would that fly in the NFL? I would hope they would never do that. 
I just there are just some things you watch and you're like, well, I don't. Do they need to get rid of the goalposts in the NFL? I mean, really, we're we're so close no. to get rid of kicking. No, I yes. like the field goal. I like field goals. It is football, isn't it? Well, it's the only part of the game that is football. Yeah. Well, punts. Yeah. Okay. Two the modified kickoffs that we have now. Well, there are two guys on the entire field who put their foot to the ball. Two, and you have. You know, 60 guys on a team. Well, you could have three quarterback if you want to do a drop kick. I'm well, just being – If you being, wanted to, you could put I'm Wyatt being, Teller back there, and he could do it too. That's true too. But those are the – unless you're going to drop kick, Wyatt which normally is not not the punter or the kicker, right? Although that's one you want Tom Tupa on your team, right? Tom or Dave Zastido would Tom be Tom went great. playing for the Colts one time. He was playing the Browns. I think it was playing the Browns. Had the U and and the P ripped off of his jersey, and he was Tom Ta. You remember the most bizarre it things. Was, it was bizarre. I, I the other thing that was coming into play is I was watching over the weekends too, and we get to these these points in the onside kick. I, I don't know. I, I like onside kicks don't work. They really haven't worked. This year, unless we're playing the Jets, yeah, two years ago. Why? Why do we even have that in the game? Yeah, I would rather see first down or a, a dead ball play, right? Just like an extra point, where you have thirty-five yards to get a first down or thirty yards to get a first down. Something that is almost as impossible as recovering an onside kick. Why do we change the game for that? We change the game because you don't want guys getting injured, which makes me think that the tush push that the Eagles. You know, the, the the brotherly shove. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. I think it's going away. I think they'll get rid of it. But has anyone been injured on the tush push? Um, Jason Kelsey will tell you that it's like the worst play ever. They're good at it, but he said, I hate it. Apparently, when Jason, I, I read a story about it, you know, his job is to go as low as possible. And right. Drive, and he said, and then I get all these, you know, thousand guys. mammoth guys piling yeah. on me. Apparently, when they do it, at least the last game, as soon as the snap happened and starts going, he started screaming. Let me up? No, expletives. <laughs> Just screaming cuss words. <laughs> uh, you think, Dan, you think that's gone? Tush push? <sighs> I mean, it's a, rug, it's a rugby scrum. Yeah, that's it's what a rugby it is. scrum. I it just is one of those things that's like, okay, is this is this really the wheel that need the squeaky wheel that needs the grease? Exactly. That's it, it kind of falls true. under that. Yeah. There are bigger problems with this sport than is that the squeaky wheel that really needs the grease. Let me go back to the onside kick play. Rather than the onside kick. Are you are you good with a field goal? Are you leaving it in the game? Yeah, I'm leaving it in the oh, game. I'm gonna yeah. tell Larry David to stick it. I yeah. would ditch the field goal in a second. Why? Get rid of the goalposts, get rid of the kickers, get rid of punters. So it's then, so then oh, what do you no, do? You score I touchdowns disagree. or nothing? Yeah. You score touchdowns or you get nothing. No. In the same way in, in Major League Baseball, you and score we have runs too many or you get rules. nothing. We have you too put many, the ball in no. the basket or you get nothing. Too many rules and not enough ways to score points. Are we here for points or are we here for violence? What are we here for? I'm here for points. Well, I'm here for the beauty of the sport. There have to be other ways to score points in this game. Right? Yes. Should they add other ways to score points in this game? No. I'm like on a kickoff. Why not? Let's not. Let's reward the kicker. Let's move the kickoff back, at maybe even five more yards, and then if they can put it through the upright, you get one. It is ridiculous that one group of players play a huge chunk of this game. 
And then it comes down to somebody who has been on the field for three minutes max. But you could put a wide receiver in at the end of the game and they can catch a game winner and they've only played one play. How many times has that happened? Though? I don't know. I don't have that. Analy- I'm oh, not analytic I, Dan I, like you are. Oh, yes, because I have all of that memorized. Yes, you do. But it's more like most of the time the wide receivers who are catching said plays have been on the field more than 5% of the snaps, 4% of the snaps. The kicker's on the field for... Four percent, but the it's a part the field of the game. Here's it's the, a part here's of another, the game. Here's another aspect of it. You ready? Okay. Yes. Most, would you agree? Most football players probably started playing at the very least in high school. Okay. And and really worked at their craft. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you hear of a of a fluky thing where a guy just you know ends up being an athletic freak right because he's three hundred twenty five. Ronaldo Skeets Nehemiah. Yeah, right? okay. was a was yeah. a sprinter. They turned him into a wide receiver. Kickers come out of nowhere. Some of them have actually been doing it. The leading scorer in the National Football League this year mm-hmm. didn't play college football. Brandon Aubrey of the Dallas Cowboys was drafted out of Notre Dame to play MLS soccer. He right. was a defender. It okay. didn't work. All right. He was sitting on a couch with his wife, and they were watching football, and he needed a gig. She said, you think you can kick a football? Yeah. Well, why don't you go try that? So he did. Okay. He made the Cowboys this year after kicking in, I think it was the USFL for the last two years with Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And boom, leading kicker in the NFL. And meanwhile, you know, Joe Thomas has been perfecting his craft since he was a wee lad in Wisconsin. Yeah, don't you also think it's silly that you can play an entire game of football without ever touching the football? Is that sillier than a guy coming out on the field? And kicking a field goal at the end of the game? No. You know, Canada has a rouge. Yeah. You talked about other ways to score a point. Yeah. What is it? I I still don't. I'm looking at it, and I still don't understand what it is. Can I give it to you real quick? Yeah, explain it. Um, It's it's one point. Okay. The kicking team. Fair catch or something. Is given a rouge if the team either misses a field goal or punts the football, and the receiving team doesn't get the ball out of the end zone. Yeah, that's what it is. So, but their end zones are, you know, like 75 yards. They're steep. actually 70, 75 meters. Oh, history. okay, good. Yeah. Or a team can score a rouge. There are two ways to do it. If the ball goes through the end zone and out of bounds without being touched on a missed field goal or a punt. What if they put their arms out like lacrosse players put their sticks out? I don't know. Have you ever seen that? I don't know. That's another goofy thing. I don't know. Lacrosse players, who you got to throw your stick out on the end line. Rouges are not awarded if the ball's downed in the end zone after an interception in the end zone. So what's that, a touchback? I guess so. Field Should we goals, have rouges? I field goals it. in football are the equivalent of a basketball team getting the ball past half court into the three-point line, and then at the end of 24 seconds throwing their hands in the air and having somebody waltz onto the floor and have to hit a granny shot from the spot that the play ended. Like, that's what we're talking about. I think about. you are so wrong. That's what we're talking You You're can just guard so the granny shot, but that's what we're doing I here. think kickers are part of the game. I don't have a problem. You need an alternative way to score. I mean, without. Other than a touchdown. You need, uh, other than safety and touchdown. Give me another way to score, and maybe I'll get rid of the kickers. Dan apparently wanted to eliminate the Gogolak brothers from the NFL. Oh, man, they're coming for you. Guys who brought the soccer-style kick into the league. Way yeah. to go, Dan. Yeah, before that, man, it was all just straight on. Those are going straight on. 
it would be the equivalent in soccer of like, okay, we've done what we can for a period of time, and before we turn it over, we're going to pick up the ball and throw it like handball at the goalie. It is kind of silly when you think about, you know, passing, running, blocking, tackling, all that stuff. And then Kicking. Here, then here comes a guy and he picks a ball up through sticks. I think you guys are totally standing wrong. Standing straight up. I, I actually, you know what, you guys should. You, good. And then we can't even tell. We don't, We you know, we have, we have laser beams on the field showing where the first downs are. But we can't put laser beams in the uprights to make sure the kick goes through. Well, you tried your best three times. Let's let somebody else have a shot. <laughs> I, I, we're talking about this later in the show. It's coming back. No, we're back at one. Yeah, we are. I'm bringing it back up. Are you eliminating kickers from football? No. I think it's silly. Well, you Save two it. made an argument for 20 minutes about it. Save it for next week. And no, you're not. You're both wrong. We'll talk about it after oh, Howard. We're both back. wrong. You're both wrong. Says the man who thinks he's right. Well, says the man that's sending you to break. 216-474-0092. Howard back next. How about those red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers? They picked up another win last night against the Detroit Pistons. We like to talk basketball with the big boys, and I can tell you one guy that knows this game inside and out, and he's our next guest. Howard back from the ringer at Sirius XM is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Howard, how are you today? Doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind introduction with one edit. Uh, no longer doing NBA radio, just the ringer. So. Uh, just the ringer. Let's make sure we get it straight. All, all ringer all the time. That's all. <laughs> Howard, hey, what do you think of the Cavaliers right now? I know we got a couple guys that just came back in, in Darius Garland and Mobley, but I mean, they had a great month of January, 11 and 2. So, I mean, they're playing good basketball right now, despite the names that are out on the floor. It's, it's, they're such a, a, a really, fascinating team which i'm like by fascinating i'm guessing uh, by cavaliers fan standards might also mean um befuddling and sometimes maddening and, and and like just weird right like this has been an incredible month but like did anybody see this coming and and the way that this season started out i thought two things one i'm concerned for the cavaliers having the same um i think issues that i thought they had last season which is i think there's too much overlap between their two best backcourt players and their two best frontcourt players. I'm not sure how it's going to sort out. Then there was the concern of like, well, now two of those four guys are injured and I'm not sure how they're going to weather this because I don't think their depth is great. And then they go and rattle off the month that you just alluded to. So like, I mean, they're befuddling in the best way possible right now because I, I just don't, every twist and turn of this season so far, I feel like is, has been hard to see coming or unforeseeable period. And so now the fascinating thing to me is, okay, as you get healthy, <laughs> Um, what is it going to look like? And I'm not suggesting that you're better off without two all-star caliber players or two of your best four players, but I am suggesting that I think that fundamentally there's always been some potential issues of overlap or real issues of overlap. And sometimes in this league, less is more. Sometimes having a a clear focus uh, for your offense. Let me just dismiss this call. Hang on. Oh, we know the feeling. Um, <laughs> happens to me all the time, usually when I'm on radio. Um, but but there's like sometimes you need to just have it uh, the pecking order be very clear, or just you know you've got one primary ball handler slash scorer, and there's somebody else who's secondary. And when you have two guys who both feel like they're primary, not because of ego, but just because of, of talent and stage of career. So like sometimes that's that's difficult. So like I'm I'm fascinated by what has happened with them so far, the way they've evolved this season. And I'm fascinated to see how sustainable it is, especially as they get healthy. And I know, again, counterintuitive to say that more talent might make them somehow worse, but it is a juggling act at times in this league. Um, 
and I'll be very curious just to see how how they play it out and and what they can sustain. And then, but in the meantime, not only have they gotten better, but like it just feels like the top of the East has gotten stronger over the course of the season. And I know like yeah, the Sixers are kind of going through it right now because of some injuries, and the Bucks have been kind of all over the map. But those two teams are are still right there in the thick of things. In that you know it's one big second tier now, right? Boston's the first tier by themselves, but um, the Knicks have gotten suddenly really good and the Pacers are legit and the heat are still looming and, and can never be dismissed despite their recent struggles. So uh, it's just a, a really fascinating race in the East right now. Are, are they, they're clearly on a clock Howard with, with Donovan Mitchell being able to opt out at the end of the next year. How should they approach this? I mean, do you think they can get him to sign if they can't get him to sign? Do you move him when do you move him if you get him to sign and it doesn't mesh because of the overlap that you've talked about that I've talked about a lot? Do you move Darius Garland? I, I would think they have some huge decisions to make and not a whole lot of time to make it. So the consensus around the league this season, since the start of the season, I think has been, you know, one, yes, not only for the reasons we mentioned that are basketball reasons, but even for reasons of just the salary cap and luxury tax and second aprons and all the other stuff that's, that's in this new CBA, they're on the clock regardless, because eventually it's just going to be untenable in terms of the payroll. You can't keep all four guys in perpetuity. And then on, on top of that, of course, there's the basketball issues. And on top of that, there's, Oh yeah, Donovan Mitchell's free agency and the widespread belief, you know, years running, um, that he would rather play in New York. Um, you know, w- things change, right? If they're winning at a level, and they are right now, where maybe Donovan Mitchell thinks, you know what, maybe the grass isn't always greener. And, you know, um, maybe he doesn't, you know, you, you talk about overlap and, and fit and everything. Like, I was never so sure that a Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson backcourt would make sense, even before Jalen Brunson suddenly became an absolute stud and all-star and everything else. And I'm sure he's going to be named an all-star tonight. Um, I don't, I don't know that that's a great fit either. Now Donovan Mitchell would be a very easy fit with the Nets because they just need anybody. Um, so if, if that's an alternative New York destination, then okay. But you asked about what, what's the approach. I mean, I'm not going to say anything that Kobe Altman and his, and his whole front office and ownership there don't already know, but it's, you try to get a sense from the player. Like, okay, let's separate fact from fiction here. And then those conversations, I'm sure, are happening, you know, semi-frequently. And, you know, if, if you don't want to be here long-term and if you don't want to sign an extension, you know, hey, just give us the heads up so we can, we can move you. I mean, Paul George in Indiana had that discussion many years ago. And, you know, that, that gave them the heads up they needed with a year to go when they could still trade him with value and with security for the team that was obtaining him, which was, of course, Oklahoma – that that they could get value, and that's you know how they got Sabonis and, and Oladipo. Um, if Donovan Mitchell is is sure he does not want to sign an extension, and leaning toward or even sure that he doesn't want to be there beyond this contract, that's the conversation you you are obligated to have. Like you you need to know that as an organization. But I also think the consensus around the league is that they're not going to do that. They're not making any move before this trade deadline. Like if Donovan Mitchell is going to get moved for any of the reasons we've t- discussed, I-, I think that that's going to happen in the off season. And in the meantime, you give yourself, you know, a good solid chance here to go as far as you can with the group you've got. Yeah. Do you think the Cavs need to have that pressure though, to maybe want to have that conversation before the eighth? I agree with everything you just said. I'm just, if you're the Cavs and, and, and the way you laid it out, I thought was perfect, but I, 
If you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know, are you are you pressuring to have that conversation in the next seven days? I, you know, I'm going to just guess. This is completely just sure. a guess that those conversations have already happened. Um, that they know way more than than any of us do. Obviously, uh, they should. That's their job. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think it's the pressure to have the conversation with him between now and the trade deadline. I think it's probably a conversation that they've already had and maybe multiple versions of that conversation. Um, Now that doesn't mean they've gotten clarity. Donovan Mitchell could have just shrugged his shoulders or his agent could have just shrugged his shoulders gone. I'm not sure yet. We'll we'll get back to you. In which case, yeah, that would make me nervous. And I would then, yeah, come back to them and say, "Uh, can you stop shrugging your shoulders and give me something a little bit more definitive because uh, we're on the clock here. Um, but I also look that with the role they're on, I think I'd rather take my chances with a draft night trade or a July trade or whatever than deal him right now. Like I, you know, and I'm sure I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess most Cavaliers fans would agree with this. Like you, when they're rolling like this, you just want to see how far they can take it. And even if you think Donovan Mitchell's eventually leaving, what'd you think when all of a sudden the Milwaukee Bucks? fire their first-year head coach and Adrian Griffin, who had him at 30 and 13, and they bring in Doc Rivers. <laughs> uh, as my buddy Mark Stein likes to say, uh, he should have patented this a long time ago, hashtag this league. Um, it, it's just you're never surprised by anything anymore. And, and I'm not surprised in this case only because there have been doubts about Adrian Griffin almost from – before day one, like, you know, when Terry Stotts is leaving, you know, on the eve of the season or whatever date that was as his top assistant, as, as, as the one guy, you know, you always want with a rookie head coach, you always want like an experienced former head coach. And when that guy has walked away under some strange circumstances uh, so soon, that's a big red flag. And there were many other red flags to follow. So yeah, the record was what it was, but like is clearly they did not trust that Adrian Griffin had the command of, of the locker room or of his stars or, or just of, of how to run the team that was going to be needed in the spring. So the record, I know people fixate on that. Like, Oh, how can you fire a guy with that kind of record? I, all right. Yeah. The league's unfair. Uh, you know, guys get fired. You know, like Ty Lue didn't get deserved to get fired <laughs> there years ago, despite a, a bad record out of the gate, because look at what the personnel was. Um, and in Milwaukee's case, it's not going to be about can you have the second or third best record in the East? Well, they know they can do that. They've got the talent to do that. It's do you think you have the right head coach to press the right buttons at the right time in April, May, and hopefully June? And they clearly concluded that was not the case. Doc, for whatever uh, faults or blemishes on his record that people may point to, has been to finals and won a championship and has a lot of experience working with you know, high level superstars in this league um, and, and, and being able to manage those, those kinds of, of rosters. So I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, it was not, 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 not the normal uh, chain of events. All righty. Well, we're going to see how the Cavaliers play out here. We're going to watch and see how this thing uh, melds together or tries to get back together as they continue to play after they've been playing great basketball. Howard, we really, really appreciate your time. And, of course, we will catch you out on the ringer only, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Appreciate Thank, it. Thank right, you, we'll Howard. talk to you soon. He is Howard Beck. And, of course, he was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We just had Howard Beck on from the ringer. And Howard has probably been – man, he is such a voice of the NBA when it comes to – I mean, he's been – I, I, I remember him from 
even like when I was doing the pregame show. I mean, he's just he's been around. He he's, worked for like the L.A. Times. He, he worked for the New York Times. He's been around. Yeah, I mean, he he's really long knows time NBA writer. He brought up a really interesting point because I think sometimes we talk about redundancy at the point guard position um, when it comes to to Mitchell and Garland, but maybe or six one guards um, that because I said point. I'm sorry. That, well, no, I mean, they no, both I can know. play point. I know. I just have it's just Redundancy at, the, at that position, guard. But maybe we should be talking about redundancy at another position. Here's what he said. This has been an incredible month, but, like, did anybody see this coming? And, and the way that this season started out, I thought two things. One, I'm concerned for the Cavaliers having the same, I think, issues that I thought they had last season, which is I think there's too much overlap between – their two best backcourt players and their two best frontcourt players. I'm not sure how it's going to sort out. Then there was the concern of like, well, now two of those four guys are injured and I'm not sure how they're going to weather this because I don't think their depth is great. And then they go and rattle off the month that you just alluded to. All right, but I don't know that we've really ever sat here and said, well, the frontcourt's got, you know, too much redundancy when you talk about uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like, I, I don't know that we've ever talked about that. We, we have brought it up. Uh, but not at not the same saying, length. Yeah. Well, not saying that it's a, a problem. I don't think it's a huge problem, and and the reason I say that is this: you can't coach six eleven. You can't coach six ten, Jared Allen. And you're saying you can't coach height. You can coach them. You know what I mean? Yes. Hey, we'd like you to be six eleven. Can you work on that for me? Sure. No, you can't. You can't do that. And and. Those guys don't have the ball in their hands. They're not distributing the ball. They have to get the ball. Somebody has to give it to them. Now, we, we hear all the time about, and again, 18%. We hear about them wanting Evan to expand his game a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you do, have to, you do have to add some elements to the game. But you can have two, six... 10, 11 guys who might not be able to go out on the floor and hit shots. They don't, you don't have to all be Dirk Nowitzki. You know, the Celtics did real well with Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale. You know? But what, what happened there? McHale spent a good portion of his career for the benefit of the team as a sixth man coming off the bench. And he took it all the way to the Hall of Fame. So I'm not saying one of those guys needs to come off the bench. What you might need to see, though, is stagger the minutes. And Dan, you know, Dan has talked about that before. There, each guy plays 32 minutes. There leaves time when they're on the floor by themselves, time when they're on the floor together. But I would not move one of those two guys because a, I don't think they're big enough. Not the not the guys, the team. And the problem is when you have two guys who want the ball in their hands all the time. That's where the overlap is, and I don't mean. Being you know greedy, being selfish, that's what Donovan does. That's what Darius does. I, there's another question that I asked Howard about the the clock. You know, we talk about the clock ticking on, you know, on um, on, on just the way things can play out here. I'm just trying to think of the right way to word this. But the reality of the clock ticking for this year and trying to think ahead to what might happen. Can you judge anything with these guys back almost whole? Because I still don't know. You know, you got your your mouth 
wired shut for a month. And if you're going to be playing at full capacity when you come back, I mean, he did a nice job last night in limited 19 time. points in 20 minutes. So, but can you learn anything, Jeff, by playing Memphis, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Washington before the trade deadline on February 8th? You don't need to learn anything. No, nothing? Can you feel better? Yeah, like, you don't need I, I to thought learn it was anything interesting. Garland, Garland made it sound like he was willing to adjust a little bit. Yeah, but what does, after it, what the does game. I don't mean? know what that means, but he wants to worry about – I mean, it's hard not to see success. When you're at 11-2 for a whole month and you've been out and you see your team is winning without you – you're kind of like, huh, do these guys need me? I don't know. That's a possibility. But I'm also sitting here saying, well, look who they played to. If it took 19 games, I think it was, for Darius to sit out to have this basketball epiphany. That's exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. Well, then that's that's wrong. And I don't think he had that. He knows how to play the game. Darius is a really smart basketball player. So is Donovan. You, you don't get into the NBA by – not knowing how to play the game to know, some extent, like, especially at those positions. And Andy, what's he going to do? You know what? This looks so good. I think I'm going to become Kyle Korver. I'm going to just spot up and shoot. Well, that's not what he does. You can, and, and if that's what you're going to, if that's what you're going to ask him to do, then you need to trade him. Well, I mean, and you, you need to you go just, get somebody who's six five, six six, six seven who can do that. You talked about Kevin McHale just changing his game. I, I just I don't know. He never changed it. He always had that game. But but I'm saying, but being a six man is what you were just talking about. Well, remember when Colin Sexton and Darius Garland were here? Exactly. What was the yes. talk? Same thing. Everybody hated it. All of a sudden, you get Donovan Mitchell, who's basically the same size, and everybody loves it. Why? The problem was you had two six one guards. Everybody hated it when Sexton and Garland were here. You, you bring in Donovan Mitchell in a deal, and suddenly it's okay? It's the same thing, except for one thing. One player might be a little more dominant or better than those well, guys we're talking about. there you go. So, That's exactly it. But the, but the concept is still in place, I think, personally. Mike is in Lorraine. Hello, Mike. Doesn't mean they can't figure it out still and really make it work, though. Mike. Yes. How um, are you? Good. Just good. as far as uh, them being redundant in the bigs, there's been talk of that. And then, do you remember after the Knicks series, they were ready to run Jared Allen out yes. of Cleveland? Yes. Weren't they? Yes. Weren't they ready to run Jared Allen out of Cleveland? Yes, they were. Uh, so, like, we're 11 and 2, like, it's a long season. Don't okay. get all delirious over a 13 game snippet. Well, that's not, but this goes back to something that. Jeff's been talking about for weeks now. The numbers when these guys are here just probably aren't where you want. Is that a fair way to say it, Jeff? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth. The They're not where you want. Hang on, hang on, Mike. They're, They're surprisingly not significantly better. In fact, they're not better than when guys are missing, which is just weird to me, Mike. Right. What What, what happened to Struess last night? Like he 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 had like two points. He was like one for six. Like Mike? hasn't he been part of their like eleven and two? Mike, you sound like you know basketball. You know what I'm happened. Just I just was surprised by that. Like, right. I mean, well, you know. But but, how many guys are going to score 15 every night? You know, I mean. You, uh, he you, should. Well. I mean, like, you plug him in for 15. It's just a drastic drop-off. It was kind of weird. And they struggled to beat Detroit, who was, what, 6-40? and 40? Like, but they, they were down, like, in the fourth quarter. You can't they? worry about that. Detroit's actually, I, I think. I know, got they're good. Talent. They got Cade Cunningham. They got good players. They, they do. They have they, some I don't talent. understand. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, see here. Here's the thing. Last night they had 
what, six guys scoring double figures. And, and Mike, I understand your thought on Struess. You're mad that he didn't. He did have two points. But they That's had right. six guys scoring double figures. It, it, I really think what the players need to do, and no indication that they aren't, and, Mike, that the fans need to do, check the egos and the stats at the door, and did the team function well enough to get a win as a team? Right, exactly. And that's, right. Hey, the know. other thing is just one thing. Can you believe that Travis Kelsey from Cleveland Heights is, like, blowing up He's like a psyop? Like, he's going to decide the presidential election. This has gotten crazy. <laughs> can you believe that? Yes, I can believe that. Yes. I believe it. Yes. And the other thing is, you have to understand the power and the Uh, impact of Cedar and Lee. Mike, Mike. Wasn't Travis Kelsey better in basketball than football in high school? Uh, You should have seen him play hockey. He was great in baseball. He was a good basketball player, though. They said he could have been like a major leaguer in Uh, baseball. uh, That's what I say. Mike, I could have this conversation with you for hours. But Dan Menemigan Menemigan is a little sensitive, so he's going to play you off. I can't answer a few heights questions for my friends. My yeah, friends in Lorraine. Because we don't get enough on, enough of that on this show. My one, starting our, to go our, down. Our LEL to, friends at one point. That was what? starting to go down a direction that I didn't want it to go. Oh, what what the Kelsey direction? Oh, I'm sorry. It's not like the Super Bowl is a week from Sunday and we got a guy from Cleveland Heights and we got a guy from Medina playing for the other team. That, right? We can't talk about that. Cloverleaf Colts, baby. Come on, Kyle. How about his wife? Congratulations to his wife. We've Kyle got- actually went to high school with my nephew. They were teammates. Oh, that is a dig. Thank you. Uh, congratulations to his wife, who's been making all this apparel that we've seen. Uh, yeah, she's making apparel for Travis Kelsey, and now her husband's going up against him in the Super Bowl. It's That's a-, a conflict of interest. Oh, is there? Because I don't think so. Because when you look at it, it's all about the 4-4-0. It is 100. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know if that's good or not. I know what you're doing there. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I didn't want to jump to it too early, but I can't. But I'm looking about. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it was announced. I the big announcement today was we have a new area code coming. That four four zero is splitting. What's the new one? Four three six. Four three six is going to be the new area code. It's going to split out. Um, it's going to split out the four four zero. How about all those people that maybe got a tattoo that said four four zero on yeah. it? Yeah. If. Or, if- if LeBron ever, if, if LeBron's area code here in the Akron area changes from 330, he's in big trouble. I'm not, I don't think they're like Cleveland itself is 216. While all of Northeast Ohio used to be 216. I mean, it would, it would really sound weird if LeBron would be like, oh, this one's for the 234, which is also now <laughs> the same as 330. LeBron's. Place that that he's built that he built in Akron is like the three three zero. Got to be careful. Is it? I, you can share now. Now it's three three zero and two three four. That area code, they both exist in that same. That scares me. Anyway. In that same. And now, now everything is a mess. The four four zero will be the four three six, but the two one six, you're still good. But if you grew up in the two one six, now you think it's the four three six. I mean, imagine how many like crossed out tattoos you may have on your arm. If you decided to put the wrong area code on, I don't know. Are you from the 436? Are you? I'm just asking. That's who I am. He's Jeff Phelps. I'm Andy Baskin. Stop it.
216. Yeah, we are 216. Yeah, what's, what's, what's the area code, Andy? 216. Oh. We are 216. We are the... I, Wait, I get, are you loud? Are right we the now? OG? You're, you're so fired so up. We are? You're, I am. I'm fired you, up about this new area heights codes. conversation and area code, and you well, are I got like, cut off from my you're, heights you're, conversation. Your level is way up here, I am baby. I s- just tired of playing radio with Blood you guys Blood coming today. out of my ears. 216-474-0092, Baskin and Phelps. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 